Hi, I'm Micah Woods, Chief Scientist at the Asian Turfgrass Center. Welcome to the ATC Double Cut. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the turfgrass growth potential. This is based on temperature. It was developed by Pace Turf. And in fact, you may have caught a recent ATC Office Hours episode with special guest Dr. Larry Stowell from Pace Turf, who developed the temperature-based growth potential. And he talked about in that episode how that was originally designed to look at overseeding, specifically in the Palm Springs area of Southern California, to look at when the temperature was optimum for cool season grass to be interseeded into warm season grass, typically Bermuda grass, Sinodin dactylin in that part of the world, and trying to figure out the the time where it's going to work just right and to explain when the overseeding didn't work to try to explain that um, based on how the temperatures were and how the growth potential was for the cool season grass compared to the warm season grass because different grasses grow differently at different temperatures. I've been receiving a lot of questions about the growth potential and because of that I have been writing a few blog posts about it the most recent episode of the double cut, I talked about using growth potential as a proxy for season length, where you can do that. Um, you can do that by calculating a growth potential for every day, expressing that on a scale from zero to one instead of from zero to 100%, and then adding those together. So a day that's perfect for growth has a GP, a growth potential of one. So that would count as a full day that's perfect for growth in terms of temperature. And a day where the actual temperature is far from the optimum temperature, that would have a very low GP, something close to zero. So that day would, like a dormant day, a day where the it's so cold that the grass is dormant, that would be a zero. So if you add a whole bunch of zeros together, that's not growing season. But if you add a whole bunch of ones or 0.5s together, half days, then that's your growing season. If you add them together over a week, then you could have, for example, four out of seven. If, if it's summed to seven over the week, that would be... Um, that would be your fraction of uh, about 60% or so of the week was uh, good temperature for growth. And you can do that over a month or over a year. So I, I talked about that in that blog post, which is in the most recent ATC double cut. And the next one, I looked at variance in the growth potential equation. And this is something that I also had a question about. Somebody was looking at the pace turf climate appraisal form, which is a spreadsheet that you can get from the PaceTurf website. I recommend doing this if you're new to the growth potential idea, because it has the equations embedded right in that spreadsheet. But it also has a couple of blanks uh, or cells. It has a couple of cells in that spreadsheet that are labeled uh, I think one is labeled optimum temperature, another one is labeled variance. And the optimum temperature is easy to understand. For cool season turf, it's about 68 degrees Fahrenheit, 20 degrees Celsius. For warm season turf, 
it's about uh, 87 degrees Fahrenheit or 31 degrees Celsius. And it's easy to understand that those are approximately optimum temperatures. What they are actually is the center of the optimum temperature range. So you can expect a little bit below 68 degrees Fahrenheit and a bit above that, something like uh, 62 degrees to 75 degrees. Or in Celsius, it would be 16 degrees to 24 degrees Celsius. That's the optimum range where we can expect for most cool season turfgrass species the temperature would be close to an optimum for net photosynthesis that's that's how the optimum temperature for the growth potential equation is set and if you want to read more about that uh, you can look at some of the links that i put in the office hours episode when I talked with Larry Stowell about how that was actually developed, or you can listen to us talk about that when he describes the development of the growth potential equation about, uh, I think it was in the late 1990s that he came up with that. So anyway, in this climate appraisal form, there's an optimum temperature that you choose, and then there's also a variance. And I don't recommend changing the variance because it will change the shape of the curve, and I made a chart on the website that shows on, on my blog, and I titled this chart, Effect of Changing Variance in the Growth Potential Equation. Because somebody had asked me what the variance was, and it's a, it's a variable that goes into the equation that calculates the growth potential number based on the temperature. If you have a low variance, then it means the growth potential that gets calculated will rapidly drop down to zero as you move just a little bit away from the optimum temperature. I did an example using Celsius degrees and using the growth potential for cool season turf. And when I did that, I did one line, I did an example with the variance variable set at one if i do that as the as the temperature is 20 degrees which is the optimum it's at a peak it's the growth potential is one that means the temperature is close to an optimum for growth and if i use a variance of one which is much too low the growth potential plummets as the temperature moves away from the optimum and as we get down to about 16 degrees celsius the growth potential already goes to zero but at an average temperature of 16 degrees celsius we expect the grass will still be growing so that that actual variance doesn't work very well if we set the variance at 2.5 we also get a growth potential that drops down to it's it's less than 50 percent at about 17 and a half degrees it's less than 25 percent at about 16 degrees and that also is dropping the growth potential too quickly because grass can still grow pretty good at 16 degrees it shouldn't have a growth potential of 25 percent the standard equation uses a variance of 5.5 and i recommend keeping it at that unless you've got a very good reason to change it because that gives a curve 
that moves away from the optimum temperature and goes down gradually and it still hits zero about the time when we expect cool season grasses to be dormant. So as we get below a temperature of five degrees Celsius, the growth potential is almost zero. As we get down to about two or three degrees Celsius, the growth potential will go all the way to zero. And what happens if you use a variance that's above the optimum value? Uh, no, optimum is the wrong word there. The standard value. If you use a variance instead of 5.5, which is the standard, if you use a variance, for example, of 10, now the growth potential that comes out of that equation doesn't go down fast enough as you move the temperature away from the optimum. So now it, with a variance of 10, the, even at an average temperature of zero, the growth potential is still about 0.2 or 20%. But actually, the grass won't be growing. The, the growth potential needs to be zero at freezing because the grass doesn't grow when the temperatures are freezing. So it, it can't be 20%. And so basically, what this variance is, is a tuning parameter that goes into the equation and it adjusts the shape of the curve. And when Larry Stowell and Wendy Galerner developed the growth potential they they set the tuning parameter the variance to have the shape that approximate it approximates the way that warm and cool season grasses are expected to grow so that's that's what the variance is in the growth potential equation that's a, a great question and uh of course i uh, i was so glad to answer that but it's not something that you really need to worry about. It's interesting to know what it is when you're working with that kind of equation to know why something is why something is in there. Um, but I I recommend keeping with the standard. Now somebody's contacted me after after I put up that blog post, and they said they took some clipping volume data from their golf course and some temperature data from their golf course, and they plotted the growth potential that they calculated and they also plotted the clipping volume which is the the growth essentially over a one-year period and they found that they could get the curve to fit a little bit better if they adjusted the variance and that doesn't surprise me because you should be able to adjust the variance I mean, you should be able to get a slightly better fit if you adjust the variance. But the problem is, once you do that, now you have a very unique growth potential number that is very difficult to compare with somebody else's growth potential number. And much of the value that comes in using concepts such as the growth potential, and these are things that I've written about in my book, The Short Grammar of Greenkeeping. You can find a lot of information about this on my blog where I talk about some standard ways to compare turfgrass management practices around the world. Growth potential is kind of the foundation for that. And it's tricky when you start manipulating the equation into non-standard forms. Uh, you lose the ability now to compare your results or your growth potential, what's happening at your site 
at a certain growth potential with what is happening at somebody else's site with a different growth potential. So of course we can adjust the equations, but what I recommend if you do adjust the equation, do two things. Have one column in your spreadsheet or however you're calculating this that is the way that you've customized it that works really good for you. Maybe it changes the optimum temperature or it changes the variance to change the behavior in the tails of that curve. And have a adjacent column that calculates it in the standard way. If you do that, you now have your customized one and your standard one. And so if you need to compare growth potential data with anywhere else in the world, you know that you have the standard number. So you could say, okay, my, my average growth potential over the last week was 50%, for example. And you can compare that with other places in the world that are growing at a growth potential of 50% if, if that was something that you wanted to do. But if you've got a customized equation that's, that's now saying that you're at 74%, it's quite difficult to compare. So um, that, that's my recommendation for probably everything you'll ever need to know about the variance in the growth potential equation. I guess one more thing that comes to mind, there's two equations. Um, well, there's, there's four equations. Um, let me explain this in, in full detail. There's, there's two equations. One is for cool season grass. One is for warm season grass. The reason for having two equations is because they have different optimum temperatures. So you need to have two different equations for that. And then the original equations were developed to you to take inputs of Fahrenheit degrees, but they've also been modified to take input of Celsius degrees. Just make sure you're working with the proper equation. Um, so essentially that's four equations that we've got. And whether you're using Fahrenheit cool season grass or Celsius cool season grass or Fahrenheit warm season grass or Fahrenheit cool season grass, or sorry, Celsius, I'm confusing myself here. The, the main thing to remember is they have different optimum temperatures. You want to make sure that you have the one that's suitable for the type of grass you have and for the, the temperature scale that you're using. And the other thing is the variances are different. So the variance is different depending on whether you're using a Fahrenheit equation or a Celsius equation. You can find all this in the climate appraisal forms. And if you have any questions about this, just let me know and I am happy to try to explain it a bit further. Before I close this episode, I noticed that there is a new feature uh, on Restream, which is how I'm recording this, which allows me to pretty easily get video and audio, sometimes have guests, and also uh, share my screen um, pretty easily. And there's a new feature now that uh, they they automatically let you upload presentations and and you can share them. So I I just wanted to try out this feature. I'm this is a 43 slide presentation that I'm not going to go all the way through. Um, it's a it's a presentation I gave in 2018 
called turf grass efficiency, the best playing conditions with the fewest inputs. And I just wanted to pull it up onto the screen and, um, and just flip through a few slides just to make sure that this is working. I think this is cool. This is something that, uh, the late John Scott asked me to do. And I, I mean, much of what I'm doing now, trying to share all of the presentations and trying to record video and, and audio that explains what I was talking about is because of requests that John Scott gave me. And uh, I wish he was still here with us so that I could know that he was watching it because he, he was one of the most ardent readers of my blog. And if, if I count the, the opens of the, of the website and count the, the, if I look at the feedback that he used to give me about what I was doing, it, it was a great private correspondence that we had. And sometimes public, if you, uh, you'll see sometimes I, I quoted him on my blog and said, okay, John Scott wrote with this. I'm now, uh, responding to him but much of what he asked me to do was to explain myself better and share more of the material because i would go speak at conferences and he'd say well it was a pity i couldn't be there i wish i could have seen your presentation and i think it's so cool that this technology is now available that uh, it's available in a way that's easy for me to use now and i certainly intend to keep doing this and every time I do record a presentation or share um, anything that I'm going to make public like this, uh, I definitely think of John Scott and his requests to do this because he was so keen to learn, to continue learning all through his life. And um, yeah, I was just so impressed with uh, the feedback that he used to give me about uh, things on my blog that he agreed with or things that he disagreed with or things that he thought I was explaining things in a way that might be misleading to people or might cause problems because he was really an advocate for the golf course superintendent. So he, he didn't want me to make mistakes either. So anyway, uh, this is a presentation that I absolutely... Uh, I can't even remember where I gave it, but I really like the topic, the best playing conditions with the fewest inputs. And that's something that I talk about constantly. And I'm, I'm just going to start this. I'm definitely not going through all 43 slides. So I, I started by showing a picture of me reading a golf course seminar magazine column that I've written. And it's something where I was saying, this is something that I write about in magazine columns like the uh, the column I write for Golf Course Seminar Magazine, and I show my the cover of my book when I was speaking at a presentation at Yokohama Country Club in Japan, uh, together with the Golf Environment Organization and the JGA and the RNA. We were giving a sustainability seminar, and. I explained that I've written about these kind of things, about efficiency and playing conditions and efficient maintenance in, in that book. And then I was going to give a, a highlight of it in this presentation. And I base it 
on my book, A Short Grammar of Greenkeeping, which I also put a picture of there. And then I went through a table of contents and so on. So I'm, I'm, I like this presentation so much that I may record it separately, but it's not part of the double cut series. So I'm not going to bore you with going through a presentation that you didn't happen to, uh, to expect. And I think I can optimize the slides to make sure that I'm showing, uh, I guess when I'm speaking to a video or to a podcast audience, I definitely want to optimize the slides and what I say so that I'm talking about something that goes pretty fast instead of something that's a bit more slow and interactive in the way that I typically would do it with a live audience. With a live audience, I like to pause and make sure everybody's following along and get some feedback, ask people in the audience sometimes uh, to ask questions and interrupt me and tell me where they disagree or if they have any comments and so on. I can't really do that when I'm doing a video or a podcast. So uh, my slides that have been set up in a way that I was planning to deliver them live, I think I can deliver that same message, but I may delete some of the slides or reconfigure them them in a way all right that that covers the variance it covers this cool new feature uh that i think i'm definitely can be going to be taking advantage of here and if you've noticed on the atc blog i've been sharing a lot of stuff that i think is interesting so i've got a few more of these episodes that are going to be coming up and i've done a couple of a couple of live streams, what I call ATC office hours. I've done a couple of those recently. You can catch those on also on my same YouTube channel and on my ATC office hours podcast, if you'd rather just listen to them. And especially relevant to what we've talked about today in this episode uh, is the office hours I did with Dr. Larry Stoll, which talked for I think 40 or 45 minutes about growth potential, where it came from, how it's used. And I think it's something that can serve as a foundational way to think about turfgrass management, when certain maintenance practices should be done and what the intensity of those maintenance practices should be at different times of the year. And then we also in that episode talked a little bit about MLSN and where MLSN came from. I will put links to as much of that as I can remember. I will put links to that in the show notes, in the description. And I will see you next time on the next ATC Double Cut. For ATC from Yantikau, I'm Micah Woods. <laughs>